Hi, I'm Johan. And I'm Martin. And uh, we're from the radio department and you're listening to Music A to Z. Music Z podcast. I am Steve Ferguson. I am Douglas Ferguson. I'm back! Hooray! He is he has successfully re-entered the country. I have I have come back from my my trip to Spain. And and you know what? What what an interesting and amazing and amazing time it was. It, when I came back, I found that apparently you had made you had made an anniversary video uh, after finding some some apparently decade old footage yeah. for me. Thanks. Well, actually, I, I found the tape uh, not long after I moved in here. Oh. And I was thinking like, oh, when's his what's his tenth? And I was like, oh, that should be coming out pretty soon. You were you were very correct. You were very. And then I just sat on it and uh, and waited for the time to be uh, to, the time to arrive, and then it arrived. And this little gizmo here, as you see right here, is yeah. A, I was going to ask you about that. This is a DV player because hard, getting getting cameras mm. or anything that can play mini DV tapes because it's now an outdated completely completely, it's completely outdated, outdated media. Yeah. Finding that was really hard. So this is from our mutual friend, Richard Mogg. Did he buy this off Langara? I think so. I think maybe they're auctioning off old stuff. Mm. And he, he was, I think, still using DV tapes. I don't know if he still is now. Yeah, so he basically, I, I, I was looking everywhere because I looked on eBay for stuff. And, like, everything, people must know that it's a form of media that's going out of date. And so they can charge more for, for, for old cameras that aren't as good as current, current cameras. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, everything was, I'm like, I can't afford all these things. And then, so I just started asking some Langara people, and Richard's like, oh, I got just the thing for you. And I was like, <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things in hindsight that actually makes a lot of sense that he would have, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, no, I, I can understand. I mean, like, we can't, like, just can't have been the only ones who had stacks and stacks and stacks of DV tapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's why I think, like, even those cameras now are, are starting to become a price commodity, honestly. Because it's like, oh, shit, I've got all these DV tapes, and I know my brother's funeral is in here somewhere, and i got to check them, and I don't know. I mean, you know. So you'll always get people who will prey on that kind of thing. So, yeah, now I'm, I'm digitizing any footage that I'm finding on any of these tapes. I see I have a whole bunch under here. These are untouched so far. These ones are the ones that are done. Just, like, pulling off footage and making it digital uh, for if I want to turn them into anything. Uh, footage of, well, actually, Andrew, when he was, like, under a year old. Oh. Um, so we got uh, some some Gemma Aurora footage I found. Oh dear. And uh, and actually this this tape, this tape right here, Steve's project. Hmm. This is all of our old NSSG films projects completed. Oh, it's the master. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, they're probably better copies than what I have backed up on my hard drive. So I might want to extract extract them. I know, for example, the copy I have on YouTube of Brain Damage, it could happen to you, is glitchy. Mm. Um, and that, I thought, was, was the only copy of the, you know, the only copy of the, the completed thing that I found. No, that for sure is on there. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Since I still have a VHS tape. Mom wants me to go through all of these ones. Oh, good lord. The old, <laughs> and, the old uh, uh, mini... Uh, the... Let's just see if we can describe them. They were... There was a period in time where you could get handheld cameras, and they were VHS, but you needed, you had like a mini half a VHS tape that plugged into them, and then you popped it out, and then you could put it into an adapter. So it was like a VHS-sized tape thing with like half of it missing, and you plug them together, then you could put them in a VCR. 
I mean, that was just the way it was done for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, I mean, Mom actually offered to pay me to do it. So I'm like, really? okay, sure. Uh, okay. Well, well, because the thing is, like, going through all, all this whole thing of tapes, it's going to take me a lot of time. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a service. Def- <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's true. That's yeah, true. I mean, if, if I don't do it, then it, it would cost money. Because so between via a VCR, that, and this video capture card, yeah. I'm getting everything turned digital. Wow. Wow. Bravo. It's been, it's been a very long endeavor so far. Right now, I'm actually capturing my, my bachelor party. <laughs> Which is actually kind of funny. <laughs> um, I don't think we ever finished, like, like actually finished editing and working with it, to be honest. Well, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think anyone, anyone actually started. <laughs> mm. I think Nate had grand ambitions. I think so. But anyway, getting getting back to Spain, there's a couple music related things that that I sh- I've shared with you already, but I, I did kind of want to share with with people on the podcast to those who are interested. There were a couple places I visited in Spain that that were musically relevant to my life. The first smaller one was I visited the Alhambra in Granada, which was a a, a couple palaces, basically massive, huge palaces that have stood the test of time. They were from the Moors when the Moors, the Muslims of North Africa, came in and conquered Spain for a while. So very distinct architecture, not really the Spanish style. Uh, Massive tourist attraction these days. And uh, when you're going through it, the Muslims at the time, you know, they don't really believe in depicting people. So they very pious people wanting, searching for God. And how they felt that they could do that was through math and geometry. This was the golden age of Islam. You know, math, geometry, sciences, and all that stuff, and categorizing and cataloging. And so you go through and you just experience the most amazing architecture and designs all throughout the entire palace like no like there nobody got lazy at any point and just said let's just put a wall here it had to be like specifically tiled with the most interesting designs and while i'm going through it there's some arches and stuff i'm like i've seen this before like it's 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 kind of it's kind of bugging me it's in the back of my head but it's nothing firm you know Mm -hmm. until later that night when i'm just like i've seen that exact arch before with, uh, it's the CD cover for Hives uh, working with sound. Not the Hives, but there was no. a, what would you categorize them as? Trip hop, acid jazz? Well, working with sound is acid jazz. Devious Methods is called, is drum and bass. Okay. Yeah, he had just the two albums as far as I know. Mm-hmm. He might actually honestly be best known for contributing to the Matrix soundtrack. Yeah, one of the songs from Devious, one of the songs from Devious Methods is on there. Is on the Matrix soundtrack. Uh, Ultrasonic Sound, is it? I, th- I think so. I think so. Not but sure. that's um, working with sound is kind of a hard album to get your hands on. But I mean, like, it's such a, a masterfully crafted album. And you know, I honestly, this might be a little bit of conjecture on my part, but I honestly felt like he didn't just put that that as his cover art because it looked pretty or whatever like that. I honestly feel like like there was that connection that he was applying to music, you know, that the, the, that the Moors were applying architecture with religion and, and, uh, and math with religion. And he almost like this was his almost musical contribution. That, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I felt with me, just because it's such an interesting album. It's such a complex album. Working with sound. <laughs> if you can get your hands on it or listen to it, folks, please uh, go for it. Recommend um, it. The second one, the one that's, that's stuck with me the longest, was when I went to Barcelona which is where Antonio Gaudi was from. Absolutely famous and astonishing architect. And for years, decades, 
we've been familiar with the Alan Parsons Project's album Gaudi, mm-hmm. uh, which was a tribute album to his architecture. I mean, I, I basically, I've known that album my whole life. Because mm-hmm. it was like 1987. Don't remember a time when Dad didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I I understood at the time that it was a tribute to an architect and that there was this fantastic cathedral, La Sagrada Familia. But, you know, you, you kind of wonder, based on Alan Parsons' projects, like his other tributes and stuff like that, you know, there's just like, oh, I mean, he must have really been an architect if he gets this tribute out. Uh, but, I mean, like, honestly... Okay, considering, like, the other things to talk about is, uh, like, the works of Edgar Allan Poe and also, like, the wonders of the world. And Isaac Asimov. And, yeah. Yeah. But then, but then when you actually get to see Gaudi's work and the La Sagrada Familia in person, I mean, it's, there's nothing like it there's like there's this Guay, Guay Park which is a little north of the cathedral which is a little town that he was developing which is just which is just bizarre but amazing but then to actually get to the cathedral itself which is so it, insanely massive and at the opening to the album the narrator says you know I don't think they're ever going to finish they, you know they want to finish I don't think they ever will they have a projection of finishing it at like 2027 which is the 100th anniversary of his death and they are actively working on it. There's cranes and there's scaffolding. I mean, they're actively working working on it. But then when you get there, you realize why it's taking them so long to do. I mean, there were some war years where they weren't constructing it. But the amount of detail and the sheer size of this damn thing, it's so big. It's so massive. I mean, I was taking pictures of it and I'm like, I'm not doing it justice as to how huge this thing is. So I did manage to get one picture where I had a whole bunch of people standing at one of the entrances, and you can see the door. Of the, it's, it's the door. It's the entryway. But they're so small, because even the freaking door is huge. It's just, it's massive. And every angle you approach it at, whether it's southwest or north or whatever, is completely different, because there is so much going on, so many sculptures, so many architectural things going on. I didn't get to go inside it, but that, that was me being able to experience two things that I was sort of musically aware of but hadn't had the privilege of actually going to going to see myself so i i guess it's kind of the, the meeting of like like the music is sort of like it in theory and then actually seeing it is like in practice almost you know yeah absolutely so yeah. uh 10 out of 10 would recommend <laughs> all right go for it yeah uh let's quickly go into some music news on our Facebook page not an upcoming single but a release that you two had put out yeah there's a live it was a live version of a song called Blackout mm-hmm. but actually they I don't know if you saw they released a single they as just well. released the first single that's yeah. right I actually heard it on the radio would you believe oh okay. uh, yeah it's called uh, You're the Best Thing About Me yeah uh, I, I listened to it on Spotify a couple times mm-hmm. yeah. like just released actually I think it was like yesterday I think it was the 6th that they released it mm-hmm. so I guess Songs of Experience is happening <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this, yeah, this is this is the that companion album that actually will exist. Um, I can't believe Songs of Innocence was twenty fourteen. Yeah, that's crazy. Apparently, the they were almost ready to release the album last year, and then after the presidential election um, that uh, went so awry, <laughs> um, they decided to sit on it a little bit and sort of like revisit this, like sit on it, revisit the songs a little later to see if they if they felt like it was still relevant or if it was still like, if it still sat with them right after sort of like the politics settled down, mm. um, which, you know, I guess I can kind of understand that, you know, YouTube being sure. kind of a semi-political band. Sure. 
But, you know, I'm glad it's actually happening. Yeah. It's kind of a simpler song, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, which, you know, say what, say what you will. I'm totally fine with. I'm totally totally fine with like a, a simpler song. Out of the two, I prefer Blackout. From what I've heard, Blackout has a little more energy. Just some some more interesting percussive things going on in that. You know, sometimes you have to hear everything in in context of the album and and you know see how the how the songs sit with you a little bit. Bono wrote the song about his wife. Which one's this one? The best thing about me? Yeah, the best thing about me. Sorry. Yeah, that one. That one's written about his wife. But actually, if you look at the cover art, it's actually the Edge's daughter. Who's in there? And she's wearing she's wearing the helmets, the uh, oh, okay. war helmets thing. Yeah, I was wondering uh, who the girl was, but yeah, I recognized the helmet. I was like, I was like, that's got to be from, uh, uh, not war, but the best of. Yeah, that's best. right. Yeah, but the, you know the, the the kid, the kid from war. Well, yeah. like, war and boy, Cyan, or maybe Cyan. Yeah, so that's that's the name. I'm very curious as to how this album will sound naturally. I don't know if you saw, but the producers for the song was this guy Ryan Tedder, who's who's pretty big in the pop pop charts with a lot of the guys that he's produced but both jack knife lee and steve lillywhite produced oh, the song as well is is uh danger mouse not a producer on this one not on the single maybe in the in the album he's oh, in there okay, somewhere okay that's it's worth knowing though because i thought he was working on both of the albums but well he could have been i mean i, I don't know right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah rick rubin what i guess we'll see yeah that's right there was the whole rick rubin the the non-sessions the 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 buried sessions of rick rubin yeah wait they came out with like Actually, probably like two songs that are actually saw the light of the day. <laughs> yeah, um, one was good. <laughs> um, sorry, I don't. No, I, don't no. I never have anything nice to say about the Saints are coming. <laughs> I was like, what a stupid, boring song. <laughs> it's not even original. And it t- why did it take both you two and Green Day to make it? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but actually, I really did like uh, Windows in the Sky. Mm. Yeah, I really like that one. But anyway, should we get into our episode? It's probably a good time to do that. <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you made the suggestion this week, sir. Who are we covering? Well, it is pronounced YI. If you are curious as to, well, you know, it's underscore YI, period, how do you know it's pronounced YI? Uh, there's a couple ways, and a couple of songs, it actually introduces uh, introduces him as, as YI through spliced, spliced audio cues. Uh-huh. But the other way is that through the Bandcamp Bandcamp page, dot So I, I think I remember seeing somewhere that it said pronounced YI as in, like, the letters. I, I, but I think 
Maybe that's that's been revised elsewhere. I don't know. To be honest, tell me if you've got something that I don't, because I only found him on Bandcamp, and he hasn't really divulged any personal information about himself, with the exception of a couple credits. No, I don't know. Well, a lot of things that are written in Japanese, but for the most part, like, he just, he's kind of down to business. He's like, here's the kind of thing I do. I make music and stuff. So he does have a Facebook page, uh, 450 people, uh, more than us, but uh, nothing under the abouts, really. Yeah, you're right. He's, he's kind of keeping it. He's just kind of keeping it uh, down to business. Just Fo- you know, focused on the music, which, you know, I can't blame him for that. Mm-hmm. So the question then arises, Doug. So how did you find out about YI? I think it was through Twitter. I want to say there's a couple of artists that I found uh, that I follow through Twitter. Yeah, these uh, these guys here. Pizus, Pizus. I don't actually know how to say that one. <laughs> we're still, we're still trying to figure that one out. Um, and it's funny because there's actually a track of his where they're like, "Oh yeah, how do you pronounce it, Pizus or Pizus?" Or whatever. and then, and they don't answer. It's just, oh, <laughs> no. I was like, "Oh come on, oh, no. this is my only way." And <laughs> Jish <laughs> uh, as well. Uh, so these are more Plundertronics guys, and I found them through Pogo. So this is sort of like a, a next generation find through originating at Pogo. Yeah, following recommendations and and stuff from artist to artist to artist. Mm-hmm. This was back when I used Twitter a lot more. I don't really use it so much anymore. But I used to I used to use it for quite a bit for quite a while. But yeah, so I'm I'm still glad of some of the uh, some of the the artists I found through it. How, so how long ago was this? How long ago uh, since you found him? Uh, you know, good question. I think he hadn't released Indio Pop yet. Mm. So it was probably I probably found him in 2014. Yeah. Yeah, I found, yeah, it must have been in 2014 because, uh, and then I want to buying the Indio Pop album, and I, I don't know, I, I got, the, I actually think I got the last CD on that one. Um, <laughs> I wish I had more. Of, there's, I wish there was like a more interesting story I could give you. <laughs> no, well, I mean that's okay, right? Yeah, I don't know. so I just, I just kind of, I followed the rabbit hole, and I, I just, I kept coming back and and checking things out. Now, when we, well, just today, I came up and you went back to the Bandcamp page for reference and you saw that this uh, Iras Haimacy uh, Ex Sayonara EP from May 20, 2012. You said that it wasn't up before or you I hadn't mean, noticed it before. I, I, it may have been, but yeah, I, 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 for whatever reason, I didn't pick it up or didn't, I didn't listen to it. Like it just, it just did ring a bell. I'm like, why, why do I not know this? So it makes me wonder if like either I'm just, apparently I didn't, fall deep enough down the rabbit hole <laughs> or um or he decided to repost it after like because you know sometimes sometimes artists bury something and then they decide later they didn't want to and then they they unbury it and and well, for sure well let's start there so the iras Hymas x sayonara again oh god my apologies if i've mispronounced uh-huh. that I'm this is so gonna sorry. be a tough episode for that we uh, so here on the music it is Ed podcast we are notorious for just tripping over names and and pronouncing things wrong but yeah this is this one's gonna be a tough one because there's a lot of like just a lot of strange titles mm-hmm. um so interesting it is an ep there's only two tracks to it and actually the name of the ep is actually the base of the names of the tracks the first track is i race hey massey i race hey massey maybe and then sayonara now ordinarily i i might want to like skip like a two-track ep especially one that's like like so before the others but actually i really like this and i think this is a great jumping off point if you're interested in getting into yi for the first time i think that you could do uh like do yourself a service and start here 
And not only is it really chronologically the beginning, or at least that he has posted, but I think that there's a lot of the ideas that are present through his career show up full force here, and and it's not like they're they're particularly weak or anything too. They're also very very strong songs. I only listened to it once through because uh, it sort of took me by surprise. Uh, I'm like, oh, wait, there's this other one. Wait, wait, really? But yeah, I felt like it. You know, it didn't feel like really rough early material to me. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of, uh, you know, yeah, it was, like you said, a nice launching point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess because we didn't really mention it before. The type of music that YI makes is is plunderphonics, and the last and only time that we've really gone into plunderphonics was with Pogo. So I mean, the idea behind it is is taking like a lot of samples from various uh, various other spots and putting them together in a musical way. Mm-hmm. Um, now Pogo's tend tend to not always, but tend to be very self evident where he's drawing from. What you know, it's from Alice in Wonderland, or it's from Pirates of the Caribbean, or. I guess that one was never released, uh, or or whatever, right? Yeah. But I've noticed with YI, with the exception of a, a few, a few sound effects that stand out to me, you'd be hard pressed to identify where they come from. Uh, you know, I've heard, some, I hear some video game noises though. I definitely heard the bat from, <laughs> from Super, Super Smash, Smash Brothers. Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Oh, I know that sound. Yeah, that sound is the the sound of nightmares. <laughs> 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 Nightmares and dreams come true. <laughs> Absolutely, right? <laughs> That's not the only one. The thing is, though, is that, like, as well, like, there are short video or short audio captures. So there were some I recognized, but I couldn't immediately put my finger on where I'd, where I'd heard them before, but knew that they were video game, video game sound effects. Like, a casual listener will just kind of take it all in. I'm sure that there's some hardcore gamers out there or hardcore classical gamers out there or whatever who could probably do a better job of identifying. But, you know, this kind of raises the question, actually, before we get into more of the discography. Do you think that there's an inherent value to, like, wanting to pick apart the sun and identify the samples? Or do you think, like, music like this, maybe you should just step back and just, just, just listen to it? And if you just happen to hear a sound you recognize, great. But, like, what do you think? I think it depends on the person. Like some people are probably just gonna get so much joy from picking out the samples. What's I guess what I find distinct about YI versus like Pogo and mm. Pizus and and Ijish is that like you can kind of like get a better sense of where these samples come from. Because I think that a lot of a lot of um, other plunder plunder I keep wanting to say plundertronics plunderphonics. Mm. A lot of those artists try and hide the fact that they're taking from a bunch of things or. or um, they try and make make it sound very seamless and fluid and almost like, wow, I can't believe that just this is just samples from a movie or whatever. Where why I the his sound is it's very choppy. It's mm-hmm. like he makes it and this is not you know, like like some people might hear that and think it's a bad thing, but actually I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's it's just it sounds like it's I don't know, like, well, I, when I like you, the when fact... you hear piano, when you when there's piano chords being played, there's not the not, you know how whenever you hit a piano note, you it, it goes for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. He chops his up like ding ding ding, super staccato. And the same with the like, guitar strums and stuff like that. It's just like it's, it's a stylistic decision. Mm-hmm. And and as far as I know, that's I mean that that seems to me like what actually makes him stand out from the others, right? Is that it, it's it's a unique sound to his own. Say that's his own because everyone, yeah, everyone else always tries to hide it to some extent. It, so it's it's very it's very jagged sounding, and that's and that's kind of a cool, a cool choice. So I think that anyone who's trying to catch these different samples and stuff like that, this is almost like the best plunder plunderphonics guy to do it with because mm. he can really 
you can really like catch where the samples are. Like this, this very distinct noise. What is that from? I don't know. Check. I, I, I'm not. That wouldn't be great for me. I, fi- I think I just find it to be too much work. Mm-hmm. But you know, some people are are neurotic and love that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It is interesting because whenever Pogo has done his sort of behind the scenes showing his music composition and all his all his samples and all his loops and how many layers it goes, it's it's usually more than you'd think. So mm-hmm. I feel like YI is probably just as much, if not more. And I let's let's call a spade a spade. That's a lot of work and a lot of time. I mean, between not just constructing the bloody thing and making sure that it's it's in time, but sourcing as well. I mean, we're talking about a lot of work, and so there's there's not just a musicality to it, but there's a, a, you know there's technicalities to it mm-hmm. and logistics. Uh, I mean, that's that's to me about is is really what I find ultimately really fascinating about Plunder Phonics is that how much work it takes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that. Um... And we may, have, we may have discussed this in Poco as well, but like some people kind of try and devalue electronic music and and like thinking like oh it's you, so you can just make music you don't even have to learn an instrument anymore. <laughs> it's like well you know you just have to you have to learn music in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. You know it's not you, it, and yeah it's not the same as learning to play piano and guitar, but you know it's not like anyone can just do it. Mm-hmm. You have to it takes work and dedication and a good ear. Start with Iras Heimasi X Sayonara. Oh boy, I probably sound terrible to the name Japanese. I speaker. think you got Sayonara right. Though. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The next, the next year, May twenty thirteen, he had released OTNJ underscore B. Do you know if that's like an acronym or or was it supposed to represent something? Do you, like any ideas uh, that's supposed to mean something? No, I've been trying to figure it out for quite a while. On to Jibu. On to Jibu. On uh, nope, no idea. <laughs> okay, fair enough. On the cover is a cassette tape, which is interesting in a lot of ways, um, to be honest, because I feel like there is a degree of paying homage to that sort of medium as inspiration, I think. And and because it's so bold, it's just right there. It's just like cassette tape. It's just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> you know? I get mm-hmm. it. I get it. Uh, yeah, how did you... Not, how, not abstract, that's for sure. Yeah, how did <laughs> you feel about OTNJ underscore B? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I do think this is the release that started it, and, you know, I got a pretty, uh, I got a pretty good... I got a nice relationship with this album. It's nice and brisk, you know, like, it's not long. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, every song's good, you know? I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> you know, intro is just sort of like a... It, it's starting up, but this is like... You know, he's got a great... Flair for dramatics, I want to say. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, then all right away it starts off pretty strong. Sugar Rush is a great track. You know, I all the thing is like it's only seven tracks. Yeah. So and and really kind of only six tracks. So <laughs> so it, there's not like a lot of there's no fat. That's the thing. There's, there's no fat to trim off. It's mm-hmm. it's all like you know here have six great tracks little intro to give you a little bit of spice and boom you're on your way mm-hmm. so i mean i this is as good a place as any to start for me i'd say oh sure yeah. uh this will continue to come up throughout his his career he likes to revisit ideas that he's done before already from the get-go mm-hmm. he's got a remix of how crazy are you and his iras high iras high bye is a retake on the previous EP mm-hmm. that we were talking about, and this is this is not unusual. He he usually brings enough 
back to to the new songs, to the new versions, to make them you know, you know, clearly not just a rehash, but reworking old ideas. That 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 is interesting to me. It's just like like for why I I wonder if ever any song or any idea is ever complete, or if it's just he's finished with it for now, and then feels like okay, well now I want to reapproach approach this and and take another stab at it. Yeah, yeah, and and you'll see this as things go on. Uh, he's got a track like again blatant, just like the cassette tape on the front, nineteen eighty seven. Track called 1987. Does it sound like it's New Wave from the 80s or anything? Not really, but it's it's wearing the inspiration on its sleeve. It's uh, clearly why it has an affection for the precursor for this type of electronica, which could be like, I guess you could you could call electronica in the 80s the granddaddy to the, or even the great-granddaddy to electronica now. I could even argue that the cassette tape being, it's kind of like a symbol of his music in that like, if you think about how jagged the sounds are of his clips, it is almost like it isn't as polished as if you had these these things on a computer and you can kind of manipulate the sound a little bit. Mm. It's almost like something you get, like press or record and stop, record and stop, record and stop. Sure, <laughs> and then, sure. So you can kind of see, I don't know, like if you know if you wanted to kind of dig a little deeper into it, and uh, I I could see that, I could see that connection. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, yeah. like like a spliced. You know, yeah, exactly. So, like, it feels more... See, I, the the words I pick, <laughs> I want to pick, like, clunky sound. It sounds negative again, <laughs> but, but like, but I don't, I don't feel it's a negative thing. But, yeah, like, it's just, like, more thud, kind of, like, sounding clips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'll have this opinion with the other albums as well. I don't know if you feel the same way. I tend to prefer the songs, like, Sue. Uh, where he also incorporates uh, vocal clips. Those tend to be my preference. Yeah, yeah. Although I can't help but wonder if he used vocal clips in all his songs, if, you know, if maybe then the ones that do wouldn't be as special, you know what I mean? Where it would just be... Yeah. Maybe they're, they'd all sound more alike than if, if they all followed the same formula. Whereas when you come across a song that actually has vocal clips, it's just like, ah, nice. Sort of thing. Um, but those do tend to be my preferences with this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next year, August 2014, comes uh, Ideal Pop. I have September 2014. Do you? Oh, September 1st, it says here. Okay. So where do you have August? Believe it or not, the Bandcamp app. I don't even know what to believe. <laughs> See, right, right there, just down there. <laughs> okay, so the, the desktop page and the app disagree on whether it was August or September. Regardless... Around that time, <laughs> it's, it was around, around that point. Yeah, because yeah, uh, at the very, I have September first specifically, so that's that's basically August. You know, <laughs> noteworthy uh, carnival track number seven samples from the Cardigans, which which is very interesting inspiration. But you notice that he starts he starts bringing in guest vocalists, mm-hmm. in particular like Sunset, which had its own standalone single as well. Uh, Q Ryan, I think, or Cryan, might be. Might be the name of the uh, person. Uh, yeah, the Sunset remix in this one is a much slower take. Now, the thing is, I don't see Sunset on here anymore. That's interesting, huh? Yeah, but the, yeah, so there's another thing. But I do remember, I remember buying it off Bandcamp specifically. Well, yeah, and you, you downloaded it on my iPod. So, yeah. I mean, I got it. So Sunset, is, I mean, it's out there somewhere, I don't know. But, um, but the, the yeah, the remix is a, a really cool, interesting, like, different take on it. Again, like, just... 
just almost like the same song through like a different lens. Mm -hmm. But in this case, yeah, this one's much slower. But I think it's just as good. I really like them both, actually. I, I like... I'm trying to think of who it reminds me of. Like an artist who just like occasionally revisits stuff. Me without you. Oh, me without you. Okay. They have a they have a theme where they every album seems to have like a part two of like a song from a previous album, and um, yeah, and it's just and it's just like a different it's, it's like a different uh, take on it. Like one like there's a song called like Bullet to Binary. There's the the first one is like this really hardcore like heavy rock version and then the this bullets binary then bullets binary part two is this sort of like more folky version of it and it's sort of it's very interesting hearing kind of like the same bands do a similar song but through a kind of a completely different lens okay that's that's yeah that's where i'm coming from that's what i'm trying to say okay fair enough this album is noticeably longer Mm-hmm. Than the last one, uh, and it it does feel a little longer too. This track two, nothing is is eight and a half minutes long. It doesn't feel bogged down though. It doesn't feel boring, but it does feel like he was able to find more musical ideas and find more ways of expressing them than before. Like now he's he's finally got like like you know a full LP that he's that he's he's now got under his belt and that he was able yeah. to put that put out there and produce. And actually and actually get on a physical copy as well. Yeah, which is sold out apparently. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well that's what I was trying to say is that earlier was I I saw that there was like one left, I'm like, oh I should get it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so sold out. It's all my fault. Well, at least one of them is. <laughs> he's he's only released two physical albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you know some artists actually just don't do at all, really. Mm-hmm. Some stick to to pure purely electronic medium, so uh, I mean, I guess he was feeling confident enough, and rightly so, that he could release this stuff physically and and actually be able to distribute it. And again, it's sold out. I mean, I guess he was right. Yeah, and uh, this one has the Sue. Uh, is that how I say it? Sue? Uh, the T. Sue, I think. Yeah. The remix, the 2014 version. Mm-hmm. To 2014.aiff. <laughs> now that doesn't seem to be on the Bandcamp. But I have it on my iPod, so when I you think, bought it, yeah, this one here is it, he in the Bandcamp. He calls it Sue Twenty Fourteen Remastered. Sure, but yeah, the um, what it is is this is a bonus track that came on the CD. Hmm. For whatever reason, like I, I when I knew that there was a bonus track, I'm like, oh, I gotta get that CD then, <laughs> even though like it cost me like way more. <laughs> how much? How much did it cost? I don't remember. In hmm. I remember after buying it, going like. That was probably more than I should have spent, <laughs> <laughs> but but it was, I, I had had a little more disposable income at that point in time. So, you know, at this right. point, at this point, there's no regrets. He says that he only printed a hundred copies to be sold worldwide. It comes in a UV matte coated soft spot digipack and six page CD holder, including concept art illustrations based on the album songs, made by him. Yeah, it's kind of a unique, uh, unique kind of. Uh, Jewel case holder thing. Yeah, it's sort of cardboardy. Okay, so he's got very different cover art, uh, or sorry, very different arts depending on the on the song. This one's like a, a fractured storm front with, with telephone wires. This one is a, a model looking at a television. This one's a clock. This one's like a, a children's note. That's interesting. So he's got a lot of ideas. He's just kind of wanting to wanting to throw together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving on from Ideo Pop, Ideo Ideo Pop. Or Idiopop? Idiopop. Ideo, Idio? Yeah, possibly. Not really an album, 
he included something called the sampler disc number one. Yeah. I think this is really just that this is strikes me as more of a like a, a work portfolio at this point. He's like, here's here's some of the sound effects and stuff I can make for, for shows. I think he even says that. Yeah, he says it's uh stuff for commercial purposes. Yeah. Now. You know, actually I was listening to this and I might wanna like use I wanna say short underscore oh three. Mm-hmm. I might want to use that for one of my YouTube shows actually. So for um, for those of you who who are interested in looking for sound effects that that aren't blatantly Final Cut or whatever, uh, check out Sampler Disc One. All he asks is that you purchase it off of Bandcamp and then you email him and ask for permission. However, he does say non-commercial projects need no permission. Mm-hmm. I would ask for permission regardless. You see that I was actually thinking that too. Is that even though like the YouTube show I want to do, I I doubt I'm going to make any profit off it anytime soon. I just would. I feel like it'd show respect. To mm. just say, hey, can I use this for this? And I, I doubt he's going to go like, actually, I hate your guts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt it. Yeah, it's nice little nice little bits of clips there. Like, this isn't, this obviously isn't great for, like, an album to listen to. <laughs> it's just, yeah, and it's not, it's, nor should it be. Nor yeah. should it be. I feel, I feel like at this point that his Bandcamp page is, is not just music distribution, but is also a portfolio. Here are the things that I can do, sort of, sort of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So for what this is, I think it's fine. Like it just, it's it's nice. It's nice little, little sound bites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we he released a couple singles, actually a few singles. Taste Irash Irashi again. Again, he is he's going back to a few other projects. Water. Irash, hi. Uh, all to all leading up to his July 2017 very recent release, uh, New Love, spelled N U L U V, but New Love. Out of the out of the singles, I don't know if we want to talk about the singles at all. Um, but I'd say that taste, I think, is the winner. It's um, strange, though, that they were singles leading up to it. I mean, I think even Water itself said... Uh, one of them said that it was leading up to... Yeah, one of them... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, album outtake. Okay, so uh, the singles, they they seem to be outtakes that he, he wanted to release but didn't want to include on the album. Yeah. Uh, actually, Arashi... 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 Again... Yeah, I, it's so pathetic. We can't say anything. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I like this one a lot too. I, maybe actually, maybe this one's the winner. The I don't know. It, I I like all of the singles, I, and I think they have each one has a little bit of it, something different to offer. Yeah, for sure. I can understand why he wanted to keep them. Yeah, uh, completely. Uh, and I can also understand why he didn't want to include them on the album. The album New Love has has a theme to it and has has some musical ideas ideas to it. And, I mean, you might have been able to put them on, but by the same token, I completely understand why he didn't want to, want to take them off. I think I, I think I agree with you. I did like, actually, I liked all of them, to be honest. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, the Arasai, again, and it's great that pretty he, good. he released them. You know, yeah. it wasn't like he was like, nah, like, I, I did not work for the album Cold Storage. It's just like, you know, here you go, have a single. And I'm fine with that. I think it's, and, and you know, that's a very kind of modern way of doing things, like with the way the music industry is right now, like... Some people just opt out for singles and don't even bother with albums. I'm I'm glad he's still putting out albums. Yeah. Um. And you know, having some singles in the mix is nice. I actually love having singles on my iPod now because, uh, while I'm going to going around listening to things, sometimes I finish an album partway through my commute. I like having just like single tracks to just kind of fall back to every now and then. Sure. And and yeah. again as well, like I honestly believe like this takes so much work and so much time. You know, it would be a shame if you spent you know God knows like thirty hours on a song. And then you, it wasn't working with the album, and then only just to junk the song. I mean, that would suck. Or, or I think that kind of goes back to like 
when we were talking about Anya way back. Oh, yeah. And how, you know, they do all those layers and layers and layers. And sometimes they get to layer number 25. And Anya says, yeah, if it's just not working at that point and we're not feeling it anymore, then we junk it. And, I mean, I'm flabbergasted by that. Mm. I mean, it's it's her prerogative. She's successful at what she's doing. But, I mean, like, that would be the most frustrating thing in the universe <laughs> to me. She's like, ah, actually, guys, um, not feeling it anymore. <laughs> not feeling it anymore. Oh, yeah. Not working out. <laughs> like, she goes. Like the Rick Rubin sessions for YouTube. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, like I mean. Those this, years, you guys will never get them back. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, no, I, I agree. It's, it's good to get them out. Uh, have you listened to New Love? Yeah, just today, actually, because I, I, I don't know what it is. Even though I'm the one who recommended YI, I just, because last time I checked out his band, band camp page, I saw he had a couple singles. I was like, great. Mm-hmm. I thought I was all cut up, and then, and then I just decided to go check it out today. I'm like, oh, he's got, he got that new album out. It just came out July. Yeah. I, you know, I, I did, I got to admit, I did some, I was, just, I was not on point with my preparation for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I listened to it all, so there you go. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've done worse. But yeah, this one, you know, it's, I mean, I, admittedly, like, I'm not going to lie to people. It is kind of like, you, you know, you kind of know what you're getting at this point when you go to a, into a YI album. If you've, if you liked his sound so far, you'll like this one. If you didn't like his sound so far and you're just so stubborn, then, you know, I don't, I'm sorry, this probably still isn't going to play your book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, um, But I would say that this is a little more polished. Uh, I, I think that some of the songs are just... You know, I guess how I was saying, like, there's a, so the sound was a little more jagged. I think that he's starting to sound more fluid. I think it's starting, yeah. to, it's starting to sound like it's coming to him more naturally. I can still spot some of the same samples and stuff like that, though. So, like, but it, it, he is, he does still have his very distinct sound. So he's not losing it. It's just, it's becoming more refined as he's going. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool. It's nice, I feel like that's a nice place to be, to start to feel like you're, you're really coming into your own as an artist. You're starting to refine your sound. But luckily, like he's still not boring. Like it, it's it's not like this sound is. I'm like I'm not exhausted of it yet because it's not like I, see, I don't really hear it anywhere else. All in all, pretty good. Like I I I need to give it more time. I need to give it more listens to 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 really pinpoint my favorites. But I also like 1997 instead of 1987. I was gonna mention that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that that was you know, obviously like yeah reworking ideas, mm-hmm. um, playing around with uh, some familiar some familiar territory. Uh, so I do, I do, I do agree. It's it's a revisit of 1997. It is, a, it is a, almost a revisit uh, with some musical ideas, but also some thematic ideas too. He he also he's liking keeping things a bit simple in terms of like what is out is what his song titles are right zero one sound island. Um, yeah, I noticed that too. I actually, I kind of again he's always I like how he he always seems to have an intro track mm-hmm. and and zero and then leading into one I thought was a really nice way of like keeping those those ideas like together yeah you know. and you know it's almost as if he like, correct me if I'm wrong I feel like he wants the music to speak for itself he's not he's not writing penning like tons and tons of lyrics he's not uh, or or even just like expressing stuff even in the song title and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that if, if like you have an instrumental piece but you have like something evocative as your song title. That's that's totally fine too. But I almost feel like he wants to kind of, if I almost feel like if he could just call them all untitled and get away with it, he might. <laughs> you know, honestly, I honestly honestly feel like he wants the music to just represent itself and and just go from there. 
I mean, I, I could be wrong. Maybe he is trying to be really, really deep by calling one of these songs sound. Uh, could be. Maybe, maybe maybe it's a minimalist thing. Maybe it's a language barrier thing. But I think there's so much work that's put in, into these these songs that, that I think he wants them to stand to stand alone. Mm-hmm. This one gets, I think, the most poppy out of mm-hmm. it. But, but but like very specifically with the song Towers, with the with the uh, the Japanese singer at the end, mm-hmm. uh, it, it it just feels it feels kind of like J-pop, you know. But it isn't. Uh, it's not agonizing to get through. It's <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of nice. So it's it's a little more refined, a little more streamlined than yeah. than uh, than the last one, but not as short as uh, OTG by BNFR. Oh, uh, <laughs> whatever. So I mean, it's it's kind of like he's taking the best of both worlds. He's mm-hmm. uh, he he's he's pared it down a little more, but it's not brief. It's not brief. It's still full. So I mean, and that's exactly where you want to be as an artist. You know, you you want to learn the lessons of all the previous stuff and and apply them. Uh, oh, and this one's also available. Uh, buy your compact disc for twelve fifty US on this one. Yeah. But I think it's the shipping where it gets you. <clears throat> um, but also, we have the disadvantage of uh, using Canadian dollars as well. So. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I have to... I, you know, I kind of want to pick it up just to have it as, like, a nice... Like, a set. Yeah. A set uh, with uh, with my Idiopop. The YI set. But I will have to sit on it for a little while because I don't... I mean, until I, get, until I land myself a job. You know, the, right now he's got a pretty nice trilogy of albums. Mm-hmm. and And some nice... And some stuff in between, so... Uh, I'm pretty impressed with his output over the last few years. You know, he he hasn't been lazy. He's been keeping it up. Oh yeah. And you know, it's he's really got himself a nice sound. The moment I just, the moment I heard it, there's something innately. It's 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 like instantly catchy. Mm. You are instantly grabbed in, and it's it's not catchy in a way that loses its gloss after a little while. It's it's kind of continues to pull you in because you're you're always kind of listening to because there's so many interesting things happening. And it's that's a good place to be to to have that catchiness, plus like a lot of cool like layers and and kind of like integrity to the music. Mm-hmm. Is he on iTunes? Doesn't look like it. No, he's not on Spotify either. So Bandcamp is the way to go if you want to get uh, if you want to see YI's music. Luckily, Bandcamp is this, a super easy site to use to find. You know, all you got and 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 it's well organized. All you got to do is look up underscore Y letter Y letter I period. And you have his complete works, except for that mysterious single that went missing. It's the sunset single. You know, yeah, it, he might also rotate the occasional projects as well. Yeah, who knows? And, and that's the way, actually, I mean, theoretically, it could keep people come. I mean, maybe the idea is that it keeps people coming back to check to see if something else has been released. Mm-hmm. He is also uh, on SoundCloud. Yeah. yeah. Uh, SoundCloud, I find to be, like, in its effort to be easy to use, it can be a little difficult, to be honest, because I have a hard time finding things on SoundCloud because eventually they get just get pushed down and down and down and yeah, down. Yeah, the more an artist puts on there, the harder it is to find stuff. Yeah, but so. I, I can see the format is they intended for it to be a one-stop shop, easy use. I don't know. I And and sometimes you can download stuff and sometimes you can't and you like stuff and people comment. I find it just to be a little bit, a little bit too much for music listening. Uh, Bandcamp is the way to go, yeah. in my opinion. I think it's just like, like it, you know, lump things in in uh, by single or by by album, and you can you can customize your own like main page so that you can have like a, a bunch of your albums right there, and you can just pick whichever and like it, it's so customizable and and 
I'm user-friendly, like, oh, man, I can't, well, you know, we've, we've, you know, we've, we've gushed about Bandcamp before. <laughs> you know, sometimes, though, you get artists who split between the two. Lord knows, Paul White, some of the stuff he released was only, you could only find it on, on SoundCloud. It was brutal, man. <laughs> was brutal. Come on, Paul. Come on, Paul. Paul White, you could also argue, mm. dabbled in Plunder Phonics a little bit. You're right. No, actually, you are 100% right. We did mention, but that was before Pogo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yes, you're right. We have mentioned uh, some Plunder Phonics before with Paul White. That was our first one, wasn't it? I think it was. Wow. Yeah, it was. It was. We're getting old. We're getting to be a very old podcast these days. <laughs> Uh, let's get into track recommendations. I'm gonna go with Sue. Sue, yeah. Sue off of uh, uh, <laughs> off of his first full-length album, OTNJ underscore B. Pronounce that how you will. I feel like this is almost like the the perfect, um, the perfect, almost like thesis. Of what his kind of music is like, mm. it really encapsulates the sounds and and uh, the sort of like glitchy nature of it. Um, all like really kind of fun bite, sound bites. Like you can kind of even be entertained by it. Like where it's like it's got the and then you hear get yourself to. <laughs> it's like ah, oh, it's so it's just so funny. It is so cute and it's so fun. Um, and yeah, I think that it's just uh, it's a great it's a great album. And, but but this song is like the one of the highlights of it. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, if you don't, I mean, again, like this is one of those cases. Like, if you if you listen to this and you don't like, you don't like what you hear. Then sorry, maybe why I isn't for you. But also, same time, if you don't like what you hear, what the heck's wrong with you? What's <laughs> wrong with you? <laughs> like, like what? You don't like you don't like enjoyment? <laughs> you don't like fun? What's your problem? <laughs> I just suddenly got strangely hostile. <laughs> Off of Indi- or I keep on saying Indiopop, but it's Idiopop. Off of Idiopop, or actually, it's an exclamation mark at the end. So Idiopop. Idiopop! <laughs> I want to go with Carnival, or I keep on Car- Carnival. It's Carnival. Yeah, I don't know why I say Carnival. It just came out. Right. So yeah, this one is it's it's got like the the vocal clips uh, you said from the Cardigans, right? Yeah. Which I just think that that uh, that the sample that it works really well within the. Within the context of the song, like it just it's it's it elevates the energy even more, and and again it sounds very cute, it sounds very fun, uh, definitely one of the highlights of the album for me, and I think that you'll like it too. Get on it. I'm also gonna go with one off of uh, New Love. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard for me to like say like too many more notes off of it, it's, it's, I, because it's. it's like a lot of the songs, in theory, are kind of, are kind of similar in, in what I'm able to say about them. But I don't know. You should just, you should just give it a listen. Uh, just there's a lot of fun voice clips, and um, it really is a great way to kind of like introduce the album and uh, present you with that sort of fresh, fun-sounding energy. But this one does have a little more polish on it than, uh, than the previous tracks. So um, yeah, it's sort of it's a great, great presentation of what the album. YI has to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Check it out. The song that spun so many creative ideas all the way back from his first EP, Iras Haimase, 
Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, I I liked this song a lot, actually, and I can see why he wanted to continue to tinker with it. Mm -hmm. why, why there were so many other ideas that he wanted to explore with it, because it's got a, a fantastic energy right from the get-go. It starts strong, it ends strong. It's, it's a really good I, musical idea, and it's it's got a dance a dance vibe and a dance energy to it. Uh, and and all its iteration, iterations that it goes through, you know, it's understandable why he wanted to revisit it. Uh, yeah. And also, like, to just almost be straight up about the fact that you're revisiting the idea is a great way to sort of, like, prevent people from going, like, hey, this just sounds like that other song. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you if you kind of make it intentional, like, well, you know, this is this is kind of the same song. It has very similar ideas, but it's just my a new take on it. And almost, like, it justifies it. Kind of like... And, People telling Tarantino that he was ripping off a bunch of things when he made Kill Bill. He's like, yeah, of course I am. <laughs> They're like, oh, all right. Well, yeah, <laughs> right. I, I mean, it's so blatant and it's obvious it's an homage. Like, it's, it's so obvious. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. I'm going to jump forwards in time because I also really like Sue, but whatever. Uh, the single <laughs> Water has a fantastic pop vibe to it. And the, the thing, if you listen to it, uh, the way that the synth rolls in or rolls out, it almost feels like when you look at the cover art too, uh, it feels like you're you're on a boat and you're at sea. It honestly does. When, the, when sometimes you you get you get a feeling where where the music encapsulates the idea. And there's something about being in water, you know, where the, the swelling and the going back and forth and and. But it's not a nauseous one, or it's not an isolate, an isolation sort of feeling, or whatever. This, it's still, a, it's still a high energy sort of thing. You know, water. It's not like drowning or, you know, maelstrom or, or storm or whatever. This is, this is just, you know, kind of like you say, a, a nice little uh, fun day at the lake sort of thing. Uh, I mean, it, it very rich, very rich, uh, very rich imagery within the song. I want to say. And then off of New Love. I wanted to go with Bayama, which has such a strong pop feel to it. I, I do agree that there's there's more there's more pop influences, uh, and I think they're they're kind of present throughout this album. And, and Miami actually really it, it did stand out to me because I mean you're you're getting to the end of the album, but you know you're almost you're almost sad to see it go because the, the energy doesn't wing, and uh, and there's you know he's not he's not kind of like. Resting on a, or start the album on a high and then let drift off. I am is actually a really fun song, and uh, and you can hear a little more more reliance on synth melody as opposed to some of the the, the choppiness of, of some of the other songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Next week is that coming to the end of our run. I, I don't. Know, I, I would put my vote in for Zonk, but I would not be opposed to Zaz. So. No, let's do Zonk. We'll okay. get to Zaz okay cool so. okay so uh faithful listener what do you think about zonk what do you think about yi what do you think about xtc what do you think about any and all the bands that we have already covered in the show or you think we should cover there's a few ways of getting a hold of us the first is our website music podcast.com check out our show notes read up about us search by genre however you wish or go straight on over to iTunes, rate and review us. Please, we're in the podcast section, Music A to Z, rate and review to bring this show to other to other peeps, other listeners just like you. We also have a Facebook page, Music A to Z Podcast. You can check us out there and join the conversation. We like to post articles and videos and all that fun stuff. We also have a Twitter account, at Music A Z Podcast, where you can go and you can tweet at us. 
and we can tweet back at you, and there could be a whole Twitter sphere of things going on. Check out DougJCFerguson.com for all your Douglas needs. That's me. <laughs> I mean, I won't, I won't fulfill all your needs. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, there's a few. And, and also check out moving underscore pictures, P-I-K, chers on, on YouTube, and look up Beast Wars Wednesday, or Allie Hasn't, or something like that. Um, or even just new movie reviews for movies that you you don't know. Should I see this in theaters? Maybe we'll help you make a decision. Because uh, that's where I'm pouring a lot of energy into that, and I would love to have you join me on YouTube. So check that out. Cool. Well, I'm going to close this out by saying Music A to Z podcast is hosted by Stephen and Doug Ferguson and is produced by me, Stephen Ferguson. You should check out our other works at DougJCFerguson.com and StephenGCFerguson.ca.